This is episode number 042 of the Reno Slant. After Nevada baseball got bounced from the Mountain West Conference Tournament, it is off-season time in Northern Nevada. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago Tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Okay, here we go. It is off-season time for Nevada in Reno. The Pack finished third in the Mountain West Conference Baseball Tournament last week in Apicoli. Adam and I, you guys know, will break down what we made of the tournament. Adam was there at one of the games, I believe. Uh, Nevada Hoops was in the news this week as former Oregon State big man Warren Washington announced that he is transferring to Nevada and was fortunate enough to catch up with Warren yesterday. That is Tuesday. So talk with Warren about his decision to transfer. How is being recruited as a transfer different than it is being recruited as a prep kid out of high school? And what surprised him most during his visit in Reno? It was a fun conversation with Warren. And just because the Nevada offseason is here doesn't mean we have nothing to talk about the rest of the summer. We know 1868 FC is certainly going to be one of the talking points over the course of the summer. And they have a big home match on Saturday at Greater Nevada Field against Vegas. And I think any time that Reno gets root against Vegas, uh, a lot of us are going to sign up for that. So caught up with head coach Ian Russell on Monday. What has changed during his three-year tenure in Reno? What has he made of the USL's massive expansion? Something Adam and I have talked a lot about on the podcast so far. Who's the bigger rival, Vegas or Sacramento? And what is the Vegas scouting report? It's really great catching up at the end. I used to have him on the radio show all the time when I was back up in Reno. So fun catching up with Ian. And with the Nevada baseball season over, Adam and I will dig into the biggest surprises of the season, biggest disappointments of the season, and we'll certainly grade that thing. And then as we head into the offseason now, uh, we're going to start doing something really fun next week. And we'll kind of plug it in here. I know that a lot of you guys in the Slant Squad, you're beer drinkers, and Reno has an awesome craft beer scene. So many cool breweries, distilleries, uh, a lot of cool options for the beer drinkers up in Reno. So we're doing something for the month of June. We're doing local beer month, where we're going to have local breweries and distilleries come on the show throughout the month of June and kind of talk about what they do, how they got there, what they got going on this summer, just to get you guys in the know with some of maybe these places you maybe are unfamiliar with at, at this point. So it's going to be some different people coming on, really celebrating local local beer. And I'm really excited about this. This is something we've been working on putting together for uh, three or four months now. So really excited to get this uh, in the work starting next week. This week, we'll wrap the show up with slants. You know we will. Uh, games of the weekend. Pro dudes. Hey, I remember you. Social. And then as always, we'll get out of here with random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week is brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. And the review of the week, we had to dig back into the well a little bit here. Matt Rose from about a month ago. Matt said, Super Shout Bros, the new Mario Bros. And Matt said, Becoming an avid pack fan, or being an avid pack fan and alumni, I'm glad someone finally brought a podcast to Reno to cover our wonderful world of Northern Nevada sports. The insights from the Sharp Brothers are great as they don't bring bias into their podcast and get straight to the facts. 
Nate was an awesome sports writer when he was up here in northern Nevada, and his writing was missed when he left town. As a local high school football coach, I'm glad to hear him back in action and to now have Adam write or have Adam along for the ride with his betting analytics and suggestions, even though they aren't right. <laughs> uh, two shops for the price of one. So, Matt, we certainly appreciate the love, buddy. Uh, thank you for for the, for the review. Make sure you get in touch with us, and we will send you free golf for two at Toyabi Golf Club. Um, and thank you to the rest of you who have submitted a review. I know that some of you can't leave an iTunes review because you don't have an iPhone or you don't have the app. We are also going to suggest now or, or allow, if you go over to our Facebook page, you can leave a, a review on the Facebook page. We will consider those as well. So if you want to be in the running for free golf for two at Toyobi Golf Club starting next week, an iTunes review or a Facebook review will also do. Adam, you, uh, you played Toyobi the other day, didn't you? I did play on Sunday or Monday. I can't even, can't even remember what day, but and, I did play this weekend. And the rumor is you got ran. Well, first off, I'm ticked at you for not making it up this weekend because <laughs> I had to play with Marcus, and we played Ouch. best ball. We had a, we played best ball on the back nine. I am not oh, good God. enough for this. I think we used three to four drive and iron shots of of his. Oh, the, oh, that's it. The whole back nine, oh. and as you as you and I both know, you pretty much carry the team. I have a good shot every now and then to pick you up, but I do, my caliber of play is not quite there yet to be leading a team in best ball. Uh, but whether uh, you guys, the listeners, whether you want to check out a news course or you want to play Toyabi again because you know how beautiful that course really is, Toyabi Golf Club is just a really quick drive down 395 south from Reno. It's in Washoe Valley. It's open to the public. Um, we've been saying it for a few weeks now. It was recently acquired by Duncan Golf Management, and they're offering the best membership deal in all of Reno. Four courses for as little as $300 a month. That includes Lake Ridge, Wolf Run, Dayton Valley, and of course, Toyabi. Limited carts, limited range balls, and unlimited golf. One of the best ways to clean your game up. It sounds like Adam needs to take advantage of that as well. So book your tee times today at toyabigolfclub.com. And as always... We need to show some love to our friends over at Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned and operated by a Nevada graduate. It is the spot, the spot for officially licensed Nevada apparel. You can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski back on episode 023. You know, they have the JaVel McGee jersey, the Ramon Sessions jersey, all sorts of stuff. Um, some really good deals there as well. So visit either the Meadowood Mall or campus location or visit Silver and Blue Outfitters. Com. We're giving away another $100 Silver and Blue Outfitters gift card on Friday. So if you're listening on Wednesday or Thursday, it's coming up. Friday today, listen over the weekend, you missed it. But we're going to do the drawing on Instagram Live, so at the Reno Slant. We had a ton of you guys retweet uh, the graphic. That's all you had to do to enter. If you do not win on Friday, fear not. We're going to do this again next month. It'll be a new graphic. Just retweet that thing. You will be in for the money uh, so actually super excited to raffle that thing off on Friday and give one of you guys a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Let's get into this thing. Nevada baseball season came to a close over the weekend in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Not necessarily surprising. It would have been way more surprising if they had won that thing, found a way to rattle 
off a few straight wins and advanced to the NCAA tournament for what would have been the first time since 2000. That drought is approaching two decades now. They lose game one to Fresno, 4-3. They beat San Diego State in game two, 6-4. And then the season ended just brutally to UNLV uh, walk-off dinger uh, for the Rebs. So Nevada finishes third in the tournament. Bro, I'll start with you because you were at the UNLV game. We don't have to go there necessarily yet, but what, what was one of your first thoughts or initial takeaways from Nevada's run in the Mountain West tournament? Well, if we're going to go tournament as a whole, uh, I would more or less say that the Fresno result was kind of as expected. It was a closer game than I thought it would be, actually, even though I predicted that they would win. San Diego State, the bullpen. Yep. Absolutely dominating. Nothing after the fourth. And then UNLV was also a great game. So looking at the tournament as a whole, obviously top four sneak in the conference. Nevada, I thought they played well for their performance overall through, during the season against those opponents. Obviously, you know, couldn't w- win anything against Fresno during the year. Yep. Uh, struggled against San Diego State. Uh, the UNLV was similar story. I think they were three and three on the year or whatever, yep. something like that. But yep. I mean, as long as and for how it was during the season, I mean, as long as Nevada didn't have any an embarrassing performance, I thought it was all right. Um, I I thought they looked good. They, you know, a couple other hits could have gone their way. Give up a couple less dingers, whatnot. I mean, Nevada's right there in there. So mm-hmm. I mean, I it's obviously unfortunate that they got third overall, but I thought for what it was that they still gave a good performance. That was my big takeaway as well. I mean, just based on how the team played this season, this was pretty much right on par with that, how they played in the Mount, in the Mountains Conference Tournament. Uh, we didn't have the teams right, but I think we both had Nevada finishing third on the show last week. Uh, and the tournament really matched a lot of the narratives for this team over the course of the season, especially later in the year. Starting pitching, something we had talked about that really kind of struggled down the stretch. Uh, none of the three starting pitchers got, got out of the fourth inning over the weekend. We've talked about the bullpen being awesome over the three games, 15 and a third innings, two runs over 15 and a third of playoff baseball. More incredible work from, from that group. We talked about the offense being long ball reliant. They hit five home runs. They didn't have any guys on base. Five home runs. They were all solo shots over, over the course of the weekend, and their both losses were by one run. So if you can get a couple guys on, you know, maybe, maybe Nevada goes on a run. Maybe Nevada at least gets the conference tournament title game. Um, but being reliant on the long ball works for if two things are happening. If you're actually hitting the long ball and you have guys on base when you're hitting them. Um, and that just one of those things happened this weekend. The other, other did not. Uh, versus Fresno, which offense, three hits, 12 strikeouts. Talk about strikeouts being a problem over the course of the season. First San Diego State, Nevada got to six runs. What do we know when Nevada gets to six runs? They're untouchable. They're ninth, they finished the year 19 and two in games they won six runs. Or they scored six runs against UNLV, eight strikeouts. You lose that game by one run. Uh, Caleb Foster had a particularly tough day in the three hole uh, with three strikeouts. So, all in all, I, th- I thought really the tournament matched, but there was a lot of parallels between how Nevada played in the conference tournament and how Nevada played in the regular season. And that's how you finish fourth in the regular season and third in the conference tournament. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty much on par. The other part too is more specifically. Them getting into the tournament and then the UNLV, UNLV game is as mysteriously as the team entered the tournament, <laughs> they they departed. Because yeah. I am not even kidding that that uh, walk off dinger that UNLV had, 
I had glanced down at my phone, and I look up, and the ball was going a long way. Ping. The ball was going a long way. You know, you start hearing you. There was about twenty UNLV fans out there screaming. Yeah. Um, so obviously unfortunate that that's the way it goes. It's obviously even more unfortunate that it's against Nevada Southern of all teams. We had the whole we had the whole Shalp clan up at the stadium yep. and and Marcus and my girlfriend to come watch the game. So unfortunate the way it was, but it's, I mean it's just like you said that the performances during the season carried into the tournament it just shows that it wasn't an anomalies or anything like that it was pretty pretty standard for the team there were rumors of a danielle musselman sighting epicoli for that game rumors are confirmed wow yes she was there i i i mean obviously i didn't say say (laughs) you should ask her you should ask her come on the podcast bro i almost just said sue pig wooey or whatever no oh no that that would have been a real you guys so someone kicked your ass if you start doing the, I would, I would have got, I would have got a nice little backhand by her, and then punched by a Nevada fan, and <laughs> shout, and shout would have been lights out. Well, actually, it's funny you mention that because I, dude, I thought somebody was gonna sock this Nevada fan. I, I mean, obviously they're selling beer. I don't know how much beer this guy drank or whatnot. He had a Nevada Wolfpack hat on, Wolfpack shirt on. We were wearing Nevada coat. He was his family was wearing Nevada stuff. Yeah. And after the UNLV guy hit the dinger, you know they're doing the handshake yeah. you know, over by home plate. He's standing on the on the 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 gate, you know, up in the stands, and he's like, I think it was number nine was the UNLV guy. He's like, yeah, number nine, you're the stud, you're the man, like cheering the UNLV guy on, and every and he's on the Nevada side, and we're all just like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like this guy's a total tool. And you could hear the murmurings. I mean, there were some people yeah. who were consuming some alcoholic beverages behind us, yeah. and I think they were maybe one additional IPA, away, one additional IPA away from giving that guy a little one, <laughs> a little one two. That good end of the season there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next point, like we're we're kind of just shop squad here. Same thing. I was going to say, I mean, even if Matt beats UNLV on Friday, it wasn't going to beat Fresno twice in the title game because Fresno actually did go on to beat UNLV 12-6 in the first game. So Fresno swept the or swept the tournament, won mm-hmm. all three games they played. That said, it's pretty lame that your season ended on your home field in walk-off fashion to UNLV. Uh, having it end in walk-off fashion is one thing. Having it be on your home field is another, but having it be at home in walk-off fashion to your rival, I mean, that, that's kind of the stick the knife in and twist it. Mm-hmm. Um, that part was brutal. Um, what does it really mean in the grand scheme of things? Nothing, because UNLV goes and gets waxed the next game. It, it doesn't really make you feel any better, though. Uh, frustrating <laughs> that it had to be UNLV, because I think if you pulled everyone in Reno, they all would have said anyone but UNLV. No, let, oh, Fre- yeah. let Fresno walk it off. Let San Diego State walk it off, but not UNLV. You're 100 percent correct. It's just, that made it ten times worse that it was then. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I did say though to a Fresno State guy as I was walking out, he's I don't know if he's a you know just a random fan, but told him to kick their ass. <laughs> <laughs> he, I think he said like, "Yeah, we got it," or I'll and, get you. And, and he was right. Yeah, he was not wrong. <laughs> do, you, do you have another thought from the tournament? Uh, I guess the other thought would just be on our side is that you and I are bad. We're not good at picking winners. Ba- baseball just goes to show how, how strange the sport is and how consistently San Diego State had won or been in the championship game. And it's just ironic that you and I both pick them to win. 
continue the trend, and they are, of course, are the are the team to go to in a queue. We're we're, we're such brothers. <laughs> is that your is that your my last, last part was my last part was we're both idiots because uh, <laughs> we, we we both picked San Diego State to win it uh, as the two seed, and we were not even close. San Diego State was the first team out of the tournament. They lose both their games uh, two in a barbecue for them. And then Fresno obviously steamrolled its way to the, the tournament title. That was Fresno's first conference title since they won the WAC in 2012. Um, I was curious. That was not the Fresno team that won the College World Series. That was back in 2008. Um, but by winning the tournament title on Saturday, Fresno was the first team. We talked about this last week. The first team not named San Diego State or New Mexico to win the Mountain West Conference tournament since 2010. When who did it? TCU. Nice. That's I pretty good. So, uh, I mean, th- there are just kind of brief thoughts on the Mountain West Conference Tournament. We will get to later in the show. We're going to talk about the season as a collective, what we thought of it, and certainly grade it the, the year as a whole. Uh, before we do, we have a couple fun conversations to get to, and I want to start with Warren Washington. Uh, the future Nevada Hoops roster is starting to take a little bit more shape uh, with that commitment on Monday, Warren is 6'11 or 7 feet, depending on, on who you ask or where you look. Uh, he spent last year at Oregon State. He was actually considering Nevada when he was picking his school last year and ultimately decided to to stick around in, in Corvallis. So he's a sit one, play three. He played sparingly last year. He averaged a little over a point, a little over a rebound per game. He was kind of got buried in the depth chart with Oregon State because they have a ton of experience in the front front courts. So never really got to, you know, break into the rotation a la Jordan Brown a little bit at, at Nevada this year. Um, so he was certainly considering Nevada. He was offered by Musk after his freshman year in high school. Um, so he was on Nevada's radar early. Obviously a different coaching staff now, but it was really great catching up with Warren and here's that conversation. Warren, dude, certainly appreciate you making the time. I want to start by saying congrats on committing to Nevada. That's got to be a good feeling now that that decision is is in the bag. It's done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm blessed, and I'm I'm excited to you know keep keep the momentum going and get to Reno, get to work. So you committed on Monday. It was almost a month exactly since you announced publicly that you're transferring from Oregon State. How, how different is it getting recruited as a transfer as opposed to getting transferred as a kid out of high school, or, or is it pretty similar in those processes? Um, for me, it was, it was very different. Um, the first time around, um, I, I didn't really know a, a lot. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but this time around, I really I really know kind of what to expect. And um, after going through the college basketball for a year, you really know, like, the what to look for so it was definitely a different type of vibe for sure uh like how obviously you kind of knew what to expect or at least had some familiarity Uh, with it but what was specifically maybe different between the two sort of recruitments um probably it's just you know um really really focusing on the different aspects like whether it fits you or not uh the blueprint the plan they have for you um just looking at the little things uh, of the college you know the simple things so it's definitely different. I think I saw you were considering, was it St. Mary's in Missouri were the two other you were really considering? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Those were the, the other two I was taking serious. Did you have any other visits lined up? I had St. Mary's lined up. Um, Missouri was kind of up in the air. We didn't really have an official date. But sure. I had I had St. Mary's 
up for scheduled sure. visit. And then, so you you get to campus, and it was kind of like uh-huh. when you got recruited last year, right? You, right. Seven to two went to Oregon State, and then decided you were comfortable enough with that. So was that the yeah. similar situation this time around? You got on campus, and you said, "Forget it, like th- this is good." Um, I, I had a, it was, I honestly had a, um, I always thought good of, of Reno in general because mm-hmm. it was my first, it was my first offer going into tenth grade. Sure. So, um, I, I knew what to expect. It was just, it was just landing and really getting to know the the city itself and learning about, you know, the, just the the different things about the, uh, how how Reno is so special. And yeah. um, once I got there, uh, coaches gave me a tour, and, and it was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I loved everything. Was Reno pretty much what you expected it to be, or were there any surprises? Uh, I I didn't expect it to be as big as it was. Just the the city itself, and okay. and just uh, Lake Tahoe is absolutely beautiful. They took they took me to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be as beautiful as it was, but um, many many things. I, it's hard to really even put it into perspective because you really got to just get there for yourself to really experience yep. what Reno was like. Lake Tahoe is my favorite place in the world. You gotta get there. You're, are you gonna get on campus this summer? I imagine sooner rather than um, later. Yeah, that's in the works right now, but I plan on it. I, I really want to get get um, get on campus as soon as possible to get to know the players and get this thing going. Get to straight yeah. to work. Well, what I was gonna get to once you get on campus, you'll be there in summer. That is unbelievable time to go to Tahoe. The beach is uh-huh. up there in the summer. Mm. I heard. I heard. <laughs> Coach has definitely made that a point. A recruiting pitch. <laughs> that better be in there. I was going to say, that's got to yeah. be in there. Uh, sure. You mentioned that Nevada was the first school to offer you as you were a freshman going into your, your sophomore year. That was a different mm-hmm. coaching staff, though. Yeah, so did definitely. that still mean anything to you considering Nevada was the first to offer you? Is uh, that something you kind of discounted then? Def, no, no, it was definitely taken into consideration because, you know, when you go to a program, it's all about basketball, so it's, and it's all, always about who you surround yourself with. But um, I really did did my studying on Coach Alfred and the rest of the, coach, rest of the coaching staff, Coach Nunes, Coach Dwayne, and everybody. And um, I, I really love what they had to offer and um, just just all the things they look for, all what what they want the program to be. And, um, you know, the blueprint they had was, was just amazing. And um, I'm just ready to get, get going. At what point in the trip do you decide, okay, th- th- this is where I'm coming? Like, was there anything that, like, hooked you, or was it kind of to progress? Like, you, like, got in Reno, good vibe, got it campus, just, good vibe? Yeah, it progressed for sure. It was just like, wow. And it was a bunch of wows kept going. And, uh, <laughs> and I really, um, just this time around, I was really just looking for a perfect fit. Yeah. And I, I really couldn't find anything that, that didn't yeah. say fit in Reno for me. Sure. So when, when you're transferring out of a program, I, I can't imagine that's an easy decision, right? Like you're you're, tra- right, right. you're starting to build those relationships. You got, now you have a familiarity with the campus and the program and how it works and what your, what your role is and what your role is going to be. So what what yeah. kind of went into your decision to decide? All right, maybe Oregon State isn't where I need to be for the rest of my career in college. Um, I definitely don't want to go in detail on that because I mean uh, it just wasn't working out. I have nothing but respect for sure. Oregon State and Coach. Tinkle, um, I mean, and the rest of the coaches have Coach Thompson, Coach Rupp, Coach Gottlieb. They've all uh, really, really helped me this year, pushed me to, to my limits, and I really got better on and off the court. So I have nothing but love for the coaching staff and the rest of the team. Sure. All great, good guys, all class. So um, I'm thankful for my time at Oregon State, but I have to do what's best for me. Yeah, totally fair. To- totally mm-hmm. understandable. Yep. So is it – What's the feeling like after you make that announcement, like around campus with your teammates, with your friends, maybe coaches? What is that kind of like? Um, 
I realize that people are going to have to like are going to disagree and, and others are going to agree. So I mean, uh, you know, that's just all part of part of signing up for this for this lifestyle. People are going to appreciate the, the moves and decisions you make, and other people are going to disagree with them. But I got I got to do what's best for me. And I mean, all. All, all I've been hearing is good, but I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of negativity that's that <laughs> that people have, but but it's all good. I mean, sure. this is what I signed up for, and um, that's just what comes with this. There, there's a lot of talk about the the transfer portal and the numbers yeah. are up, and for players, like you can totally see you got a little more freedom, a little bit more flexibility. The fans, Definitely. you can understand why they maybe could be a little bit more bothered by it. What's Definitely. the general consensus for for players in the transfer portal and the, kind of the flexibility it now offers? Um, it's, it's it's definitely different. I mean, I can't really, I don't really know how to explain the transfer portal because I I, I didn't really know much about. <laughs> I don't it. think I, anyone I really knows how it works exactly. <laughs> exactly, I didn't. Like, I don't think anyone wants to expect to get into it, but. I mean, it's definitely different. Like it's it's kind of like you're a free agent almost. Yeah. But um, I mean, I don't think any, like I said, I don't think anyone expects to be in the transfer portal. So I don't I don't mm-hmm. really know too much about it. <laughs> but, you yeah. just know that you were you that you were in it and now you're out of it. Have you been in touch with any of the Nevada guys yet? Oh, um, I've, I've been in touch with KJ. Uh, that's one dude. Sure. I, um, but. Uh, I'm 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 for sure, I'm sure it'll start it'll start getting to more people and I'll start talking to the other dudes. But KJ's one of the, one of the dudes for sure I've been talking yeah. to. So you were last year with the Beavs, you were kind of buried behind some older guys, and mm-hmm. now you're gonna have a redshirt year to develop, to grow, right. uh, grow your game. For for right. you, what's gonna be the focus now once you get on the campus and you have this really developmental year? Um, I mean. Right for year is a whole year, so I mean I can't really even put that in perspective. Also, like I'm a, I'm gonna be working on every aspect of my game. It's a full year with um, a bunch of coaches that have have experience with developing players. So I'm gonna be working on every aspect of the game, and overall, my body for sure is definitely gonna gonna change. My diet's gonna change. So um, that's what I'm most excited for is this right for year is to really just study the game and and get better and grind so mm-hmm. i did get to work and, and go to lake tahoe in the summer <laughs> <laughs> Especially as a fan. all right or my man c- congrats on committing to nevada uh, we're certainly excited to see you grow and develop here in a nevada uniform and uh best of luck my man yes sir appreciate it appreciate it Warren is a, a really cool dude. I think Nevada fans are really going to enjoy him. He was incredibly responsive in terms of just getting that the, the interview set up on such late notice. I did I forgot to ask him when we were when we were recording, so I talked about it. we talked about it after we were done. Uh, if you look on his social media channels, his Twitter or his Facebook, he's got kind of like a Grim Reaper picture thing going on right now on his profile picture. I'm like, what's going on with that dude? By the way, and he's like, it's on mood right now, and he's talking about like just being kind of all business, head down gonna lock in and it certainly sounds like that's his intention when he gets on campus to put on some muscle uh work on his game so uh not this coming season but next season he's ready to go and it certainly seems like with three years of eligibility his size his skill set he could be a big big piece of this program moving forward um so great having warren uh, on the podcast you know what else is uh i mean warren's a cool dude Uh, you know what else is cool soccer 
we'll get there. <laughs> the Tahoe water. Is, is that a stretch? The water uh, Tahoe stretch? Uh, it plays. Because <laughs> summer is right around the corner. Uh, if you need something fun to wear at one of the beaches, Sand Harbor, Hidden Beach, Zephyr, uh, or you're planning on going to night in the country here in a couple months, it'll be here before any of us can believe it, you need to visit tipsyelves.com. So, so does Warren. He's going to Tahoe Beach this summer. He, he needs some new gear. Uh, Tipsy Elves wants to suit you up for all of life's biggest moments, all of life's funnest moments. Uh, we had a conversation with co-founder and read alum Nick Morton back on episode 017. It's crazy to think how long ago that was now. Uh, so complete your summer wardrobe t- today at tipsyelves.com. When you do, make sure you use promo code SLANT20. That will earn you 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. That's promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. Now soccer can be cool. Reno 1868 FC first and only head coach, Ian Russell, uh, caught up with him earlier this week. He has engineered one of the USL's highest power offenses consistently over the last few years. Reno's off to another pretty strong start this year and is hosting Vegas on Saturday at Greater Nevada Field. Are you going, bro? You should probably think about going. I actually have. Yeah, I've been thinking about it because they're doing a bobblehead night, too. I mean, we'll get into that a little we, later. We, we but... will get into that a little bit later. Yeah, no, I have considered that. That'd be the first game of the year, but I think it'd be a fitting one. Be a good one to go to. Yeah, Reno is currently tied for sixth place in the 38 team Western Conference with 17 points. Vegas is tied for 11th place with 15 points. So disparity of five positions, but only two points separate them. And uh, we talk about that a little bit with Ian as well. So here is that conversation. Ian, I'm I'm pumped we could get you on uh, because we I used to have you on the radio show all the time back when I was up on ESPN Radio in, in Reno. So I just want to say how much I really appreciate you making the time to come on the podcast. Yeah, no problem, Nathan. Glad to get back on, and it's been a while. So <laughs> good to talk to you. <laughs> um, so let, let's the, the landscape has kind of changed. I mean, it was it's been I think we about a year and a half since I left the this media landscape temporarily yep. in, in Reno. Uh, you've been the head coach all three years now uh, for Reno 1868. What has changed, I guess, for you or maybe the franchise just o- over that time span now? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the main thing that's really changed with the whole league itself is just the addition of all these new teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's 17 teams in the West and 17 in the East. And, um, you know, there's some really good teams that are coming in with owners that are are spending a lot of money to, to put a good product on the field. Um, I think with our own franchise, it's been just a steady, good, um, you know, we get good crowds, good fan base. Um, I think the city of Reno is, is really taking a liking to, to the club here. And, um, we've got a couple new supporters sections. So, um, that all, that all has been really good. I think, uh, this, the scene is continuing to grow and, uh, will continue to do so. What, what do you make of the USL now having 83 teams or, or 34, 34? Does it change anything yeah. for you? Um, it's just, it's getting harder. I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot of good teams. Um, if you look at the, the standings in the West right now, it's, it's, it's super jam. tight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big log jam. Uh, we didn't play this. We were in fourth place or third place, and then we didn't play this weekend because we had a bye. Now we're, you know, sixth or seventh. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if we win this weekend, we'll be back in third or something, something very close to that. So, sure. um, it's really competitive. 
typically you have, you know, three or four teams that, that really aren't that competitive. And this year, that's just not the case. There's, you know, a couple teams that are, are kind of lower in the table, but they're, yeah. they're starting to get results now. So every game is a real challenge and every, I think every team is plays a little bit different to so you. The preparation every weekend is, mm-hmm. is very different. You got some good coaches that have come into the league and, um, you know, it's, it's been fun. I do want to certainly we'll talk about, you know, the on the pitch product, but I do want to ask one more question about you. I mean, I know, uh, when you first got to Reno, you weren't a huge social media guy. I was doing some clicking around and I see you tweet like once every, like twice every, every month. We'll go with that clip. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, yeah, you're right. I'm, I wasn't very big on social media. Um, our PR guy that was there before, although he's not, yep. he's not there. He's in Memphis now, but he was always trying to get me to, to tweet <laughs> and, you know, do Instagram and Aldo was the one that was starting to do my first tweets. Um, I, he'd run them by me. He's like, Hey, can I tweet this? I'm like, yeah, go for it. Now I actually occasionally will tweet on my own and, um, <laughs> you know, it's just good. Sometimes, you know, it's, I'm like, Hey, it's time for a tweet, you know, after sure. a result, either good or bad or. You know, we had good fan support on the road. I'll say something, or the earthquakes have a good result. Um, then I'll I'll send a tweet out. But uh, yeah, I'm trying to make my presence a little more <laughs> on social media. But uh, you know, it, it's tough sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. It's it, one of those things you have to be so aware of if you want to like actually be on top of it. So um, definitely, I do want. To, so certainly, let, let's go on the pitch here. You talked about you know, regardless of where some teams are in the table. You're starting to see a lot more competition, a more competitive balance maybe. Last time out for you guys, you're at Tacoma. Tacoma's a team that has struggled this year yeah. with a 1-1 draw. Considering how Tacoma's played this year, how, how did you and, and the team feel about that result? It was a frustrating one. Um, you know, we felt like we could go there and get three points. Um, and you know what? They scored off the kickoff, which I've never seen before as a as a coach. And um, they scored seven seconds into the game. So it changed everything. It gave them momentum. Mm-hmm. We started, you know, we had, I counted seven really big chances um, in the game for us. And we scored one of them. We scored it late. So in one way, you're fortunate to get a draw. You're yep. happy. I guess you get a point on the road. But we could have lost the game, mm-hmm. but probably should have won the game if you look at the the big chances on goal. So it was a weird one. Now they did just have a big result against uh, Fresno, and they actually beat our. They had a good result against Portland. So th- you know, three of the top teams have gotten results against. Yeah. Um, but it, like I said, it was you. You hope to get three points against them, and um, that part was frustrating. Yeah. Especially if we're going into our bye week. You want to you want to get your three points before that that bye week. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I came out of the game like I said. It was like okay, we'll take a point. We could have lost because sure. um, we did score late. But in reality, we had two big chances after we scored the goal to win. Um, so I guess it's one of those games you just you, you chalk it up and, you know, you move on to the next one. Sure. What did you guys do w- w- with the off week? Yeah, so I gave the guys uh, Saturday and Sunday off. We trained actually really hard during the week just to make sure our fitness levels stay high. Sure. And um, gave the guys the weekend off, and we had a really good training session today. Guys were fresh. Sometimes you just need a break from the game. To, and I told the guys, I don't, you know, go enjoy it. Don't even think about soccer. Just mm-hmm. whatever you're going to do. A lot of guys went, I think, to Sacramento. I think there's some some festival there. Some some of the guys went to, and 
Uh, I just said, make make sure you guys are safe and get home in one piece. And we had our meeting this morning. I go, okay, everybody's here. That's a good sign. Uh, let's get back to work. What uh, one of your calling cards now in the three years in Reno has been offense. I mean, you guys were, I think, the first year you were like first in the USL for goals. Last year, top yeah. ten. This year, you had a similar pace. When I was looking the other night, you were, I think, sixth in the entire USL in yep. goals scored. What has allowed your offense to be so explosive? What are you doing that's working? We, um, I mean, I, I've always said I want to try to score a lot of goals. Now every every coach is going to try to say that, but yeah. we work a lot on um, we call it pattern work. It's just uh, it's movements in the attacking third or our build out, which which gives us good chances on goal. We just we do a lot of it. We make sure that when a player receives a ball in a certain point of the field, a certain area that we rehearse kind of what we're doing. So there's, you know, four or five, six options. If, if the defense does shows this look during this point, this run will be on. And we just like, it's repetition and we, Mm -hmm. we go through it a lot. And, um, I think you see that when we play, there's a good identity when we play and we do create a lot of chances and we've, you know, Brian Brown scoring goals, uh, again, uh, Corey Herzog starting to score. We've had a lot of guys scoring goals. So, um, those two have, have kind of taken the, the brunt of the goal scoring duty, but I think there's, you know, seven, eight guys that have, have already scored on this team, which is awesome. Yeah. I certainly wanted to ask about Brian Brown, the franchise's leading career goal scorer. He's off to another awesome start this year. I think he's at seven, yep. which is fourth in, in the USL for people who don't know a ton of soccer. What is his skill set? Cause it, whatever he is doing on, on the pitch is clearly working. Yeah. So Brian, it's an interesting one. So we brought Brian in, in 2017, uh, he came in, I think, a little bit unfit, mm-hmm. um, and he was behind Dane Kelly and Antoine Halpenel, who are, I thought, at Studs. that time, two of the best strikers in, in USL. So he was our third striker, and um, Dane was healthy pretty much the whole year, and so was Antoine. But there were a few times where Dane got called into the Jamaican national team where Brian started, and I'm like, this guy's very, very good, but we he needs to get fitter. Yeah. So you know, after the first year, Dane doesn't come back and and Brian's back. And I said, look, Brian, um, I personally think that you could score a lot of goals in this league. Uh, but you really got to work on your, your conditioning and make sure you're treating your body right off the pitch, eating right. Um, and he really took it to heart. And I think if you watch Brian play, he has that unique blend of he's got good pace. He's very strong and his hold up play. He's a number nine. That's, that's a center forward. Mm -hmm. He can really play really well with his back to the goal, and uh, it lets us join him. So when the ball goes in, he doesn't lose it. We join him. We get get the ball wide. He gets in the box, and he's a very good finisher. So I think he's uh he's on that next step to you know getting a, a contract, if not with the Earthquakes, hopefully somewhere in MLS. Yeah. Um, he's going to be with Jamaica. He's getting called in with a national team. So awesome. If he has a good uh. Hopefully he makes the Gold Cup roster. That's the tournament that's coming up here in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he has a good showing there, he's gonna he's gonna mm-hmm. attract a lot of attention because he he can do it. He's yeah. uh he's very capable, but for him it's just uh, making sure that his work rate is is really high the whole time. That and that's been his his knock the whole time is yeah. is he working hard enough? And um, I still I think he does, but there's mm-hmm. still a lot more. I I still think he can go harder, and if he does, he'll be in. He'll make the next level. Sure. I, I've got no doubt about it. 
is that is it a weird feeling position that you're in like obviously you want your guys to succeed and go to the next level but that obviously means that you then maybe start missing a significant piece what's that balance look like for you yeah um so that's a great question for me you know part of taking this job was to try to develop players to get to mls and i played a lot of years in mls now i want these guys to experience that joy you know and it's a mm-hmm. it's a great league and it's it's way better than now when i played there i mean it's the stadiums are sold out they've got soccer specific stadiums everywhere so as much as i can promote my guys and and get them there you know that makes me happy we had a player last year um kevin partita who yep. he was not drafted uh i told the earth actually he was drafted i told the earthquakes i go you got to draft this kid uh he's way under the radar he had an injury his junior year, so he came into a senior year under the radar. Um, he came in, he got injured in their preseason, and they're like, Ian, we're not going to sign him, but let's get him to Reno. So we were able to sign him here in Reno. And, um, you know, within 10 games, I'm calling up there. I go, hey, man, you, you guys need to look at this kid. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's, he's playing well every game. They brought him in for training. They signed him a week later, and then he was starting the next weekend. Wow. So um, that's the kind of stories that i like obviously sure. i do want to win because I'm, I'm very competitive but um the more players that i can send to our first team you know yeah. that th- i like that and kevin is you know another fun wrinkle he's a local kid yeah uh, so i mean the... he's uh <laughs> like if i were to clone kevin like he's the type <laughs> of player i like because he's he's all business works extremely hard um i remember we had a run of games where we had three games in a week for I think, I think it was three weeks in a row, nine games in twenty-seven days or something in the month month of May last year, and Kevin played six games in a row, and I'm like, hey man, I go, how you feeling? He goes, all he said was, I'm fine, coach, I'm fine. <laughs> and usually guys are like, man, I'm getting kind of sore, I'm tired. There was not none of that. There's no excuses with him. It's just, it's all business, and he wants to play, and he 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 works extremely hard. Speaking speaking of all business, you guys have a fun one coming up here on Saturday. Now, uh, you got Vegas coming to town, the Silver State Cup match, or one of them. Yeah. Um, when I had you on a radio show several times back, when I used to always I used to always ask you for your your scouting report of the opponent. So, what are some things maybe that uh, the casual yep. fan or people going with something to maybe look for with this Vegas squad? Yeah. So last year was their first year, yep. um, and they were. It was a strange team last year. I'll, I'll just throw that out. They, they have a new coach, so I yeah. can kind of – they were very direct. They threw numbers forward like crazy. They gave up a ton of goals. They actually scored quite a few. They were hard to play against because they were so unorthodox. This year, um, I, I feel like they're they're better you – know, I won't say better coach. Uh, I think Eric Winalda is doing a good job with them, has them more organized. Um, pretty dangerous team. They create a lot of chances. Um they're you know a little bit below us in the table yeah I, um I, I, actually last time i checked they were like i said things changed this weekend but uh we're all kind of log jammed in there yep. um but a couple good strikers Irvin parr is having a good year uh sammy ocho is always a good good target player um a couple good wingers cruz is a player that looks decent um so it's going to be a tough game mm-hmm. it's a it's a team that uh you know there's that that rivalry that's going to happen. So it's yep. going to be a, you know, a fast physical game, which we like. Um, it'll be fun. I think the fans are going to enjoy it. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it and it's going to be fun to coach against Eric. I've known Eric for a long time. We played against each other in MLS. And, oh, nice. Um, so that'll be good to see him. And 
um, hopefully we get a good result. So you got the Silver State Cup with Vegas. You have the Donner Pass Derby with Sacramento. Who's the bigger rival? Good question. Um, <laughs> that I do not know yet. They're okay. both really it's in, it's pretty interesting to have two big rivals, yeah. and we do. And I think I kind of feel like the the Vegas one is pick, picked up some steam, and yep. just because I'm not from here, but I. You know, when Vegas came in the league, it created a lot of buzz, and the fans of Reno were like, "Can't wait to play these guys." Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know there was such a rivalry between Reno and Las Vegas. Um, it sounds like in college, it's it's pretty big deal as well. Yep. So, I think maybe the edge is with the Las Vegas game. To be honest, now, okay, yeah, that's probably fair, and it's absolutely. I would, I would almost entirely relate that to the college rivalry, you know, the Nevada right. UNLV thing. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. Do you watch much Nevada athletics or pay much attention to Nevada? Yeah, I, I definitely watched uh, their basketball uh, yeah. last couple of years because I thought they were very good, and I thought mm-hmm. Musselman did a really good job of, of recruiting and coaching these guys. I thought they always worked really hard. Yeah. And um, I actually follow him on, on Twitter, and he has some good quotes that sometimes I uh, I'll hit the like button and – uh, I think he. I think he did a really good job here. You got. You got to be careful now promoting. Musk yeah, on I know. Twitter. It's, that's a soft soft spot now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh That was a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to go to UCLA. Maybe. Um, yeah. I thought that was kind of the big rumor, but uh, I think the fans here should be happy that they were able to to have him come here and sure. and really revitalize the program, and now they can recruit really good coaches and players. So I, I think they should be happy. Yeah, that, that was kind of my stance as well when, when that whole thing unfolded. Right. Um, all right, so you got Vegas uh, this coming Saturday. Then next week you're at San Antonio. We've talked about the 93 different teams during, in the USL this year. <laughs> uh, who, who's your favorite road swing? Um, you know what? We like going to San Antonio. Uh, it's yeah. a good city. We, we typically play pretty – we had a really good game there last year. Um, obviously going down to Orange County and L.A. is always nice because yeah. it's – it's LA in Orange mm-hmm. County. Yeah. So, uh, and the guys seem to play well and stay, stay really focused when we go there. And, you know, I've, I like going up to the Northwest. That's where I'm from Seattle. Sure. Yep. So, um, there's a couple good ones for sure. You guys, you guys fly everywhere, right? You're not doing any buses. Yeah, we do. But well, actually we bust to Sacramento, Sac- we bus to Fresno. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right, that makes sense. All right, Ian, uh, truly appreciate you coming on. It was, it was really great catching up with you. Uh, good luck Saturday and let's get you on again this summer. Okay. Sounds good, Nathan. Good to, good to hear from you, man. Really awesome having Ian back on the show. We'll try to get him on a couple more times uh, this, this summer. As he shared at the end, he is a Seattle guy, so we certainly do have that bond. And uh, Reno 1868, certainly fortunate to have him. They've had a lot of success with him running the show, uh, going back to when they were an expansion franchise a, a few years ago. Hard transition here. We said we were going to do... We were going to just kind of wrap up the Nevada baseball season now. The season as a whole, um, obviously the season ended over the course of the weekend. It was sort of, it was an interesting year for Nevada in terms of what the expectations were. Nevada was playing really well, was not playing well, started playing well, was not playing well. Kind of went up and down over the course of the season as it can go with baseball. So, bro, we'll start with you on this one. Three things to know. We'll start with the first thing. First thing to know about the Nevada baseball season that was in 2019. I'm going specific player first. Okay. Bullpen, obviously, arguably the strongest point of the team this season. Yep. And I'm going to give special shouts out to Grant Ford. We've talked about him a lot this yep. year, kind of putting up some of his numbers. 
I just wanted to mention the numbers I pulled last night from the Nevada baseball stats. He had 28 appearances, 276 ERA, mm-hmm. he had four, 45 in a third innings pitch, two, th- two, two, in, thirds. Thirds in, two thirds pitch. Only gave up 32 hits, so he's gone less than a hit inning, 51 Ks, so more than one K in inning average, and the opponent average of 195. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's just obviously the bullpen, we've said it plenty of times, was the bright spot on the team consistently throughout the season. And, I mean, you can't say that the bullpen did what they did this season if Grant Ford's not there. For sure. Yeah, he he was the guy. It'll be interesting to see now. Well, certainly not just for him, but for a number of guys what they decide to do if they get their names called during the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, Ryan Anderson certainly one of those guys as well. I'll start with the bullpen as well. Um, it wasn't my first point, but I was kind of piggyback off it. The mm-hmm. bullpen, I mean, you can talk about the offensive issues this year. You can talk about the starting pitching issues down the stretch. And even then, Nevada was one inning away from advancing to the Mountain West Conference title game. And I chalked that up, not entirely, but largely due to what this bullpen did. We talked about how awesome they were over the tournament, 15 and two-thirds, two runs. This group really was outstanding. Uh, Grant Ford, you get listed his numbers. Uh, Shane Gustafson, 55 and two-thirds, 3.23 ERA. Uh, Bradley Bonifant, uh, 36 and two-thirds, 3.68 ERA. Cooper Powell, 27 and two-thirds, 3.9 ERA. An ERA less than four playing college baseball, especially in the Mountain West, is amazing, by the way, to give you to give a little bit more perspective. Tyler Smith and Dalton Gomez also had really good years. You look at some of those numbers, and I didn't nearly have the patience or bandwidth to do a lot of research, but this has to be one of the best Nevada bullpens ever, um, considering some of the numbers those guys put up and a lot of the situations they were put in. Uh, with mm-hmm. the offense not being, uh, I wouldn't say electric for most of the season. So you're playing in some low-scoring games, a lot of high-leverage situations, and these guys continuously produced, and especially in games when they had to throw six innings out, out of the bullpen. Um, so really, really impressed with the bullpen. For me, it's a no-brainer. That was the most consistent and the brightest group for, for, for this team this year. The defense collectively was really good as well. Um, I, I just think, all things considered, I, I would give the collective team MVP to, to the bullpen, and then the best of that bunch would probably be Grant Ford. Uh, bullpen really, really strong this year. Yeah, no, definitely. And then at UNLV game, I should have looked this up, who it was that came in, but during the UNLV game, I think there's a tough spot. We were in like the bottom of the fourth or the fifth, and I think UNLV had two guys on. We had just pulled the starter. Uh, rain squall came through, but obviously it wasn't enough to delay the game. So all the fans were underneath the underneath the the, the bleachers, and uh, the the reliever that came in obviously just went lights out, shut them out, didn't didn't give up any runs. I think so. That was, I mean, you look at the situation there, and UNLV was stepping on the door weather wise. So that was a good performance. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing I was going to talk about was that you know projections are projections, and you do got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. And if you look at it from projection to how Nevada finished, obviously it wasn't too different with the tur- with the, um, the tournament results. You know, fourth, I think, in the regular season, third in the tournament, and they were projected to get second. So all on that same wheelhouse. But if you look at the overall Mountain West Conference record, I mean, they were 14 and 16. So they're still two games under. Yep. The Mountain West just – there's no real way around it. They 
was just not very good this year. Yeah. You know, Fre- Fresno kind of stole the show. San Diego State was down. We were down. UNLV wasn't very good. And San, San Jose, Jose State, State was up for a little bit. San Jose State was up for a little bit, which also just goes to show the state of the conference. Um, but, I mean, it's just it's, it's, it's good that Nevada was able to sneak in. I'm hoping that the overall play of the conference is better next year. But yeah. as of for Nevada, it just goes down. I mean, for what they were handed, or not even handed, for what they had done throughout the course of the season, we said it last week, we've said it the other weeks, you know, if they could get in. But it was impressive in my mind that they were still able to find a way because when they went, when they got swept at Fresno, and then I think they lost two of three to, uh, I can't remember who the series was before, I think it was Air Force. They lost two of three to Air Force, yeah. then had a non-conference, then got swept by Fresno. I my confidence level was not very high that they were going to find a way to sneak in. So that they were still able to do that. It just makes it all the better because, mm-hmm. you know, had they not gone in, I'm just going to be honest, there had been not a chance in hell that I would have gone to a, a tournament game. <laughs> yeah, no shot. The, the metrics weren't great uh, considering the expectations for this season, right? Vast mm-hmm. picked to finish second. They're coming off a year which they won the Mountain West regular season title. You feel really good about their starting rotation, especially as Ryan Anderson started to assert himself as the ace. The Nevada finishes fourth in the regular season. They needed help late. They don't. They finish below 500 in the regular season. They need a lot of things to go right for them over the final couple weeks of the season just for them to get in the tournament. They they find a way to get in. There was a really strong possibility that Nevada was going to miss the Mountain West Conference tournament. I, I remember talking on the podcast, not saying definitively, but having little little confidence they were going to get in. Like, man, this is mm-hmm. actually going to happen. They're actually going to miss the, the conference tournament at their home park while they're picked to finish second in the preseason pool. That would have been a bummer. Um, so credit to them for getting in. But if you kind of th- look at the whole collective, th- this is kind of a bummer of a year f- for the group. Um, it's too bad. Uh, they did snap the, post- the postseason losing streak at, I believe it was six games with that win over San Diego State. So they do have that. Um, but overall, the, we were starting to talk NCAA tournament regional for a little bit at the start of the season. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that they kind of end this position, uh, no way around it is, is a bummer. And I don't think there's anyone in that locker room or on that staff who follows the team all the time who would say this season was a smashing success. I think most would say it was a disappointment, um, yeah. all things considered. That's uh, a bummer that baseball and basketball kind of had similar results. Super high expectations going into the season. Obviously, the basketball during the year was performing better but they both at the end of the year just kind of had these disappointing exits yeah from their perspective tournaments for sure uh of that we've talked about the dingers so you know west Haddon, dylan shrum josh namora between those guys collectively they had 28 dingers yeah and you got, you're playing 56 games i mean you get a dinger every other game between one of those three game one of three one of those three guys it's a great number it's consistent but it also just goes to show that you had mentioned earlier the guys not being on base, so many strikeouts. You think of like, say you take a quarter of the strikeouts we had, even that's a lot. Ten mm-hmm. percent of the strikeouts away, and you say maybe somebody got a base on ball or just you know little whatever bleeder through, and you just get a couple extra guys standing on first base when those things go over the fence. Yep. I mean, it, it could have been a completely different outcome to the season. Well, Nevada, both those conference tournament losses were by one run. You have a mm-hmm. couple guys on when one of those balls go to the fence. You, that's how baseball can work sometimes. Yep. Uh, my last thing here before we get to biggest, we go to biggest surprise of the year. I don't want to stir the pot, the stir the pot per se, but I, 
I think I'm going to start a little drama here potentially, or at least a little bit of unease within the Nevada baseball fan base. Uh, we talked about Long Beach State having a nightmare season. They actually fired their coach in April, and that never happens in college baseball. Apparently, there was a lot of things going on uh, not related to what was happening on the field. They did have a nightmare season on the field, but it was also off the field. So Long Beach State still does not have a coach. Athletic director Andy Fee said he wants to hire someone by early June. TJ Bruce is someone who played at Long Beach State. He's someone who coached at Long Beach State. He's someone who's unbelievably highly regarded in the baseball community. If I am Long Beach State, I'm giving TJ Bruce a call. Um, so, so that is something to watch, uh, something to know. Uh, it doesn't sound like something that's going to stretch out for a long time. Maybe by next time we come on the podcast, Long Beach State has hired someone. I would certainly be disappointed. Had TJ on a couple times. I love having him on. He's super candid, super honest, uh, super great to have on the podcast. So that would be a bummer. Um, but if I'm Long Beach State, I'm, I'm giving TJ Bruce a call and seeing, hey, what's going on? Um, and for those who maybe don't follow college baseball a ton, Long Beach State is an incredible job. It, it, it would be an upgrade for him, and you consider – uh, certainly his tradition, his history at, at that school as a player and, and a coach. Um, if I'm him, that's a converse, at least a conversation I'm willing to have. Um, mm-hmm. so, so something to follow here. Well, it's also at schools like that, jobs like that don't come around very often. Yeah, that's, that's just, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a little side, side mm-hmm. piece. And you don't have to do the, the mountain with travel. You're not playing, you're not practicing in the snow in January. Some uh, people like the snow. <laughs> I love the snow. I, I mean, playing college baseball up in Tacoma, it wasn't a ton, but we had some practices in the snow. We had to go over to Whitman and sp- in Walla Walla, and it would snow <laughs> there sometimes. Not about it. Not yeah. about it. Okay, biggest surprise of the season. You want to start this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll start this one. The biggest surprise for me has to be that this team almost missed the Mountain West tournament. That, that it got that close. This something we kind of talked about already. I, I thought it was a lock. This team is going to finish in the top four in the Mount West. They're going to play in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. The Apicoli, there's no shot. I thought it was a foregone conclusion, especially after the start of the year. They go to, I think it was Texas they played in the Texas State Tournament. Missouri State was ranked to open the year, and they beat them like 16-4 or something. And then the next weekend, they go to Long Beach State, who at that time we thought was normal Long Beach State, and they swept them. And they were 6-1 and one at that point, and it was like, wow. These dudes are for real. And then you fast forward two and a half months, whatever it was from that point. It was like, wow, Nevada needs these things to happen. They need to pull off their first conference sweep of the year. They need some help the weekend after just to get in. Um, so the fact that it got that hairy, for me, uh, I'll go there, the, the biggest surprise. Yeah, no, I had something similar to that. I'm going to say going on the road to San Jose State and getting your first conference sweep when all the marbles on the table, you factor out you factor out that it is San Jose State, but the way the baseball team had been going, the way the season had been playing out, in my mind, it's irrelevant at that point. Nevada hadn't done that on the road; they struggled. You look at what they did against mm-hmm. you know at Air Force. I mean, they just struggled this year on the road, and so the fact that they were able to do that when everything was on the line, I think, was yeah. my biggest surprise. That's a fair one. I'll go honorable mention here before we transition to biggest disappointment. Honorable mention, we had him on the podcast as well a few weeks ago, Jalen McLaughlin. Uh, 
he we talk about the massive massive jump that he made going from his sophomore season to his to his junior year as a sophomore he finished the year batting 252 as a junior he finished the year batting 339 he jumped almost 100 points in batting average and that includes switching from middle infield to center field he had a defensive switch as well uh, when TJ was on last week he told a really fascinating story it wasn't like Jalen had all fall in the first few weeks of practice to transition to center field. It was like a week before the season. They said, hey, you want to go try to play in center field? And then he does what he did this year. I mean, the numbers offensively, and he was a, he's just super fast. He can swoop bags left and right. He's you know, one of the guys now. You got to wonder, did he catch some scouts' attention? Because um, he would maybe be someone that you might hear, you know, maybe, maybe day three of the draft. And does he consider that? I don't know. Um, but but I think there's a pretty good chance that Jalen ends up hearing his name called during the draft as well. Um, so I, th- I need to give a hat tip to Jalen. Biggest disappointment. No, you take this one first. The overall performance against Air Force. Ooh. That is a team that we should not be going two and four against in the season. I mean... The caliber of play they had, you want to factor in the wind, the weather, whatever it was when we were out in Colorado. It's not Colorado Springs or wherever it is out in Colorado they're at. I mean, it's just it's a team that, especially with the caliber of players that Nevada had, mm-hmm. it's they match up way better than Air Force. And Air Force just can't get the level of athletes. And the fact that, you know, it seemed like when Nevada was crawling in, we had that series against Air Force and they went, you know, one and three, I think. One and yeah, two. One, yeah, one. Yeah, not one and two. One and three. Not one and three. One and two. Jeez, I'm mixing that up. There but for me, it was just it was that because that also contributed, and that was obviously and was a very frustrating point of the season. Is uh-huh. you know the, that those games were huge, and then when it came down to the wire, I, that's what I was looking at looking at when I would scroll back on the schedule was had you know you snagged an extra game, two games from Air Force. It was like we would be in a way obviously com- more comfortable position. Uh, so that that's my biggest disappointment. I, I certainly don't want to pile on here, uh, but for me, the biggest disappointment has to be the starting rotation. Um, they each of them kind of had their glimpses this year. They never really were able to all string it together at the same time, uh, which this team really felt like it needed, considering the offense came and went at times this year. Nevada had eleven pitchers this year throw at least nine innings. The three starters. We're ninth, tenth, and eleventh in ERA. Um, it just kind of speaks to how tough of a year some of those guys had. They just—it just seemed like they were never able to get really deep into games. You had the Ryan Anderson near no-no against Long Beach State earlier in the year, and that's a tough one to top, certainly. I mean, that, that's going to be your your marquee start of the year, but it just felt like it never got like remotely close to that for any of the guys o- over the course of the year. We'll see what happens with Ryan Anderson. He's super tall. He's a lefty. He throws hard. Um, he's had a lot of exposure with some of the big-time summer ball that he's played. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if he's thrown his final pitch uh, in a Nevada uniform. I certainly would have loved to see him go out on top. Local kid, a ton of ties to Nevada, going, went to Spanish Springs, obviously, in high school. Um, so don't want to pile on any of those guys. But when you look at some of those numbers, um, it's hard not to say, you know, there, there was some opportunity there, especially considering – you know how how highly touted Owen Schartz was. He was a freshman. So you, it's, there's growth that comes with that. You have Jake Jackson coming off a fresh, uh, what was he All American freshman All American last year, but he had the injury, and it just seemed like he never was able to get fully 
on track. So I'll I'll go with the starting rotation, uh, not for a lack of talent because th- those guys have talent. Sometimes it's the way the game goes too. That's the other frustrating mm-hmm. part of baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what do you grade the year as? I'm gonna give it a flat B. Now you're an easy grader. Well, it still got into the tournament. You know, projected second, finished third, fourth overall in the conference. There were highs and lows, but you got to grade the whole thing as you got to grade the season as a collective. They did have a great start. You know, they they did what they needed to do to get in. So I'm going flat B. You're you're much nicer than I am. Uh, I think when you put together a grade for a season, you got to consider everything you talk about looking at the whole season. I think you also need to consider what the preseason, you know, narrative was, what, where the what the talent is, what where the opportunity is in the conference. And so for me, all things considered, I'm going to go with C plus. Um, you, they do make the postseason. They do win a mountainous conference tournament game. It snapped a six game postseason skid. These expectations were awfully high. As I mentioned, we were talking NCAA tournament at one point. They finished just north of 500 at 30 and 26, 14 and 16. You mentioned the struggles against Air Force. Really, the highlight of the year was a non-conference series against Oregon State. Uh, they win those two games at Piccoli. What does that get you, though? It doesn't get you much. Uh, unless you're having a good year and that bolsters your at-large hopes, and that just wasn't in play for Nevada this year. So it was, it, that was a fun, you know, Monday-Tuesday series for them, no question. They're both walk-offs. They're the walk-off dinger. Uh, I think it was Keaton Smith who hit the walk-off dinger on, in the second game, whether it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. Um, but it, it, it didn't move the needle for this team at all because we talked about that maybe sparking them, get, getting them going. The next weekend was the Air Force series. Um, I believe if I'm remembering that correctly. So the guys deserve a ton of credit for scratching and clawing and finding a way to get in. And they even scratch and clawed in the Mountains Conference tournament. They rallied late against Fresno to get that thing within a run. Uh, it was a, obviously a good game against San Diego State. They rallied late against UNLV. Um, so that they, they definitely got were scrappy. They, they did not throw in the towel, which is all you can really ask for of a team, right? Especially in baseball. So they, they, don't, they don't throw it in. They don't say, whatever, we're done. That They really fought and, and scratched and clawed the entire time. It just it wasn't enough, um, ultimately, for the group. So that, that's why I'm going C-plus on the year. Well, especially being a college team, C's get degrees. So keep, <laughs> keep, keep that in mind. And no one knows that better than you with your seven-plus years of undergrad. Hey, my, my transcript is littered with C's. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, transition to some slants here. Uh, we'll just get straight into this. Games of the weekend. NBA Finals. And then on a personal side note, would just be beating Marcus in any sport we play because we've really been getting down on racquetball, ping pong, basketball, and he enjoys losing. So <laughs> with, with, the li- with the limited slate we have, those are, those are what I got for my games of the weekend. For sure, yeah. The, the NBA Finals, it feels like the NBA playoffs have been off for like two weeks now because it's just it, at one point there's playoff games every night for a few weeks and now there was a, a, it was a nine-day layoff for Golden State. Uh, mm-hmm. Game one, Thursday night at six on ABC. I actually had it backwards. I thought Golden State had home court. Toronto actually has home court. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking last night, Toronto was actually a one-point favorite in game one. And if I were a betting man, I would have 
a lot of confidence putting some some money on the Warriors getting a point. Well, have you looked at the season record? Warriors I, don't haven't ca- I don't care what the regular season record is. How many times have we heard NBA teams talk about how the regular season does not matter and teams actually back it up in the playoffs? It doesn't matter. I don't know, dude. Drake's going to be putting some magic something over that court. You never know what's going on in Toronto. <laughs> they're actually they're actually in the for the series. I think Toronto is plus 3 something the last I saw. They're like plus 350 to win it all. Yeah, so they're the dogs they're the dogs in the series. Yeah, they're the dogs, but I mean who knows? They could come out, punch Golden State in the face. I mean, I wouldn't be upset with that literally or figuratively. <laughs> I, I'm starting to find both teams kind of annoying. Drake's starting to get kind of annoying. And Golden State's been annoying. So now I don't know what I'm rooting for. <laughs> oh, yeah. You just got to – I mean, you don't want to root for injuries. I'm just – I'll, I'll, I'll be hoping for like some unsung hero, some guy off the bench sure. just making some crazy shots. But, yeah, it's going to be an annoying, annoying series. And one of these series is just – I root for seven games. Give, give, yeah. give, give us seven games. Give us a good series. Game two is Sunday at five. Game three is Wednesday at six. So we'll be uh, we'll be recording next week during game three. Mm-hmm. Pro dudes, let's start uh, with the Aces. Well, the Aces, in case anybody hasn't been following, they are currently sitting in fourth place in the Pacific Coast League Pacific Northern Division. Nathan, how many teams are in that division? Four. Nice. I, I, they I, are. I used to have to write a weekly Aces report for the Sparks Tribune. Like, it's July. They're 15 games back. It's like, this is fun. Well, they're similar spot. They're five games back right now. They're behind the Fresno Grizzlies, Sacramento River Cats, and Tacoma Rainiers. So, regardless of their performance, it is still fun to go out there. Tickets are cheap. Everything's yeah. fun. But the overall performance of the team has been lacking. Yeah, they're twenty-one and thirty-one. They're five and a half back of, of first place Fresno. So even considering the fact that they're ten games under, they're not getting lapped. They're still relatively in contention. Fresno's within within arm length, and that's not true for every division. You look at the Oklahoma City Dodgers; they are fifteen games back of San Antonio in the American Southern. Being fifteen games back this early in the season is actually hard to do. Um, so you can say they're out of it, and that's not true for the Aces. They're at least relatively mm-hmm. in contention here as we turn the corner to, to June. Well, and that whole division, too, that's all pretty tight. Yeah. I think Fre- I think the Rivercats like a half game back. Tacoma, I think, is a game or a game and a half. And then yeah. um, Reno's five, but it's still pretty tight. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with something to get the fans in because when I heard this deal, it made me want to go, and I was just more ticked that I didn't get there on Tuesday. Their Taco Tuesday deal at the Aces Stadium – Two street tacos for five bucks with choices of beef, chicken, or pork. You can get the combo deal, which comes with the two tacos and a 12-ounce beer for $8. So if that doesn't get you to the stadium to watch the Aces game, I don't know what will. All right. We need to get on the Aces payroll now because you just gave them a free ad. We, we need to figure out how to make that happen. Hey, well, they, they – uh, <laughs> I put their I uh, tagged them in my tweet. I think it was two weeks ago. You know, yeah. talking aces or whatever. Yeah. And they li- and they liked it, so we're on oh, our way. Wow. We so arrived. we're big time. Big blue check mark. Liked one of my tweets. I was Mama, like, okay, we made it, Mama. We I, made it. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't give old <laughs> Debbie a text. <laughs> uh, so the Aces on Wednesday night here. So as we're recording, they start a five game series tonight in Albuquerque, um, and then after that they uh, they start a six game homestand next Tuesday which means a Thirsty Thursday is in the near future. they got Nashville uh, for that Thirsty Thursday. Do you know who Nashville is the AAA affiliate for? 
Mm, the White Sox. It it was the A's until last year. Now the A's AAA affiliate is Vegas. It's the Texas Rangers. Mm, interesting. Right, I'm always curious about that. Why they have teams that are so far away. Why some squads do it that way. Well, I think that's why you see now uh, the A's affiliate is in Vegas as opposed to Nashville. Like, dude, that's a long flight <laughs> yeah. when you're calling guys up or, or sending guys down. I mean, the well, same thing. That the Mets were down here in Vegas, and, and well, now they're up in New York somewhere, I believe. Well, if I'm looking at it, if I was seeing it correctly last night, it said the Fresno team is the Nationals. I believe that's right. Which is complete opposite side of the country, but yeah. moving on. Speaking of the Aces, real quick, though, being in Albuquerque, it was kind of funny. I had to drop Tara off at the airport this morning for a work trip, and she texts me. She goes, oh, my God, I just saw Ryan Radke. <laughs> so, so I texted Rads. I'm like, dude, if you want to come on the podcast, you can just text me. You don't need to just show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, they were doing the connecting flight because the, the Reno to Albuquerque nonstop is not yet on the, uh, the Reno airport uh, flight itinerary. Surprising. Thought that'd be a hot destination. <laughs> you would think. You, you would think. Uh, all right, do you have anything else to, to add about the Aces? I'm done there. The last thing I'll say, it was a story that was really, really blew up last this week, and, and deservedly so. Uh, Kevin Cron uh, getting called up. His dad is the manager, so how cool of a moment where his dad calls him up, and or I forget what this, how it actually was. I, I believe it was his hotel room, knocks on the door, and you, you know, your dad gets to tell you you're going to go play in the bigs. Uh, for the first time for Kevin, first time getting called up. So obviously a cool story. He's been having an absolutely ridiculous year. He's making Pacific Coast pitchers make it look like they're throwing batting practice. Uh, he had 21 home runs in 44 games so far this year. For some perspective, he had 22 home runs in 104 games all of last year. So he, he was one dinger away from tying his total. And 22 home runs is a lot for a year. 21 in 44 games is insane. Um, as I was looking this up last night, he has he's had eight ABs with Arizona. He's one for eight with a double, two ribbies, and four strikeouts. So you hope it's not like a, a Peter O'Brien kind of thing. If you guys remember, Peter O'Brien hit a ton of home runs in Reno. He just couldn't figure it out uh, with Diamondbacks, and I believe he's still playing. Um, but you, you hope that's not a situation. Obviously, a very small sample size, and you know it's got to feel good for him to get his, his first hit as an extra baser. Um, he's just, You know he's waiting for that first dinger. Um It'll be fun for him. Okay. You know what's cool? Soccer. What do we need to know about Reno 1868? Well, we talked briefly about it, but they got the big Silver State Cup on June 1st against the Las Vegas Lights FC. Um, it is also kind of joining with my second point. I'm sure you'll talk a little bit more about Kevin Partita, what he's got going on, his mm-hmm. bobblehead night. Uh, but that would be a good one to come check out. I mean, they've been off for almost. Yeah, almost two, about two weeks now. Coming off that one-one draw against the Tacoma De- Defiance that we talked about. Um, but if you have any a- hatred of Vegas, like I do, that'd be a great game to go to. Something we talked about with, with Ian uh, when when he came on, just how the table is just so condensed. There are so many teams uh, within arm's reach of each other. Uh, Reno is at seventeen points in a three-way tie for sixth place. Vegas. Uh, and Vegas has 15 points. There are 13 teams. They're within eight points of each other at this point. So the the Western Conference, maybe the, I haven't even checked the Eastern Conference standings, but the Western Conference is, is a logjam. It's cliche to say that it's a big game at this point because they got a lot of soccer to play. But when you're within two points, you're at home, you're playing a rival, sure, we'll say it's a big game. 
for for June one. Because if uh, Reno loses this game, straight up loses, Vegas will actually jump Reno in the standings. Um, so it'll be a fun one on Saturday or on Saturday for sure. You want me to go with my next one? I was going to sit here in forever in silence. That ah, sounds about right. Anyways, uh, Nicholas Murray, Mike Watts, John Arlia, and Devin Kerr. I'm watching you guys because these are the guys that make the predictions each week. What's happening in the league? Who's going to win or who's winning these matchups? Oh, I didn't know this even existed. Yeah, there was a prediction thing I saw on the slide. Ken Palm for USL. Pretty much. Last week, their records, 0-5, Rough week. You may think it's an outlier. For the season. Oh, no. 400, 367, 400, 383, 383. How are you that bad? So whoever is... You you at least have a coin flip during these games. That is what I'm saying. These are like the situations where you could just throw the dart at the dartboard and have a better outcome than that. Because when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, you know, it'd be interesting to see the predictions. Like, these guys obviously got to know what's going on. And when I saw those scores, it was bad. And it was, I almost so, felt bad. did they make picks for Saturday? Uh, no, because these were from the previous week. So okay. they didn't have anything for this upcoming one, which is kind of disappointing. But the one that just kind of made me chuckle was Nicholas Murray, his bio, little captioning out of it. He's the Associate Director of Communications at the USL. And he knows the league and its history better than anyone it states. So, <laughs> so these Nicholas, are actually like USL. These are guys. These are guys. These are guys working the league, or one of them is a broadcast. And I mean, these are guys that work closely with the league. So, uh-huh. I'm not going to tell you guys to figure it out, but we're watching you and figure it out. Yikes! Well, um, you've just given yourself a job. It is your job to track them over the course of the year because I those numbers are. Yikes. We'll, we'll get them on the podcast. What we need to do. We need to get some of them on the podcast. I'm sure we could have yeah, them yeah. on. Oh, 100%. You got, you got, to, got to explain yourself. Uh, one of the things that I'll, we've hit on a couple times, Saturday is Kevin Partita Day. For those who haven't been haven't seen the story yet, Kevin Partita, uh, Saturday is actually in Sparks Kevin Partita Day because he went to Sparks High School. Uh, so he went to Sparks, then he went to UNLV, then he was drafted by the San Jose Earthquakes, the story that we talked about with Ian uh, on the show today. Uh, a really cool story now, him playing for, for Reno, Sparks honoring him, and Saturday's going to be Kevin Partita bobblehead giveaway. Uh, he actually had at least one brother. I think he had a couple, but I know he had at least one, Jesus, who also played at Sparks. I covered Jesus when I was at the Sparks Tribune. He went to UNLV for a couple years. I'm, I'm not sure what happened at that point, but Jesus, that dude could put the soccer ball in the net. And his brother, a similar story. Um, so certainly a fun wrinkle uh, for Saturday and additional incentive to go to the game if you weren't really sure. Hopefully the weather is going to be nice. Uh, but a fun you know, rivalry game at Great Nevada Field and Reno 1868 games, easy for me to say. They're straight up fun regardless. I, remember, I went to a few of them before moving down to Vegas and they do a good job of, of throwing a party and you know start start at OBP. Yeah, you know me, play some shuffleboard and then walk on down to Great Nevada Field. It's a it's a good time. Okay, hey, I remember you. What'd you get this week? My gut not being ready for summer. That's it. <laughs> the keg, the kegerator. It's, ba- it's back. I'm so disappointed. I went full speed during the winter per usual. Lost a bunch of weight. Fell yeah. off the wagon, got back on the eating wagon, and 
Looked in the mirror yesterday and woof. Uh, it might be another shirt in the water type of summer. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you, unfortunately. Uh, I got a couple. One, uh, I just feel obligated to give a Jordan Brown update. It gets quiet for a while, then it pops back up. It gets quiet for a while, then it pops back up. Uh, it really popped back up this week because Steve Alford went on John Rothstein's podcast, gave an update, and Steve Alford basically said, we expect Jordan Brown to be back. We are... What, what, how did he position it? He said something along the lines of, we expect to market him in a certain way. So like making it very clear, like we know what your what your mission here and your objective to go play in the NBA, which is smart. That's what Steve Alford should do. Uh, it's like there's, there was a visit with St. Mary's. It's been completed. Uh, ASU, I believe, is this weekend. He's already visited Arizona. Kentucky, we knew, was showing interest. Texas A&M, it sounds like, is in there now. Um, I thought this was going to be over before June. It doesn't sound like we're going to meet that deadline. I still think he's going to be back at Nevada. It just makes too much sense, um, with all things considered. But who knows? You know, you go on a visit to Kentucky, you look at all that. If Kentucky does come up with an offer, that's something that's hard to say no to. Uh, but that includes then sitting out a year. It includes really having to scratch and claw for minutes with that much talent on the roster. And considering what Jordan Brown did last year at Nevada, is that a situation he wants to put himself in? Or does he want to stay at Nevada where you are guaranteed minutes, you are going to be the guy at a position of need, you're going to you're gonna get every opportunity to showcase your talents and, and develop. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I thought it would be over by June. We're, we're going to miss that. Um, we'll be interested to see now how much longer this drag is out because you would think it would end relatively soon. Uh, but, but who knows? Who knows? And the last one I got is snow. I was at Big Bear for Memorial Day weekend. And Sunday night, or pretty much all day Sunday, it was snowing on and off. And I was like, what is happening? It's June in four days. Um, went to bed Sunday night. It was starting to snow pretty hard. Woke up, and there was a couple inches of snow on the ground. We were up. So Big Bear Lake, and there's like mountains all around us. So we were up in the mountains a little bit. And so as we're packing up Monday, in and out of the cabin, in and out of the cabin, I had to shovel snow <laughs> to, <laughs> to prevent late- snow from getting all over the house. I was like, what is happening right now? Late May snow shoveling. Got to love it. Yeah, that that was kind of, that was kind of unique, but Big Bear first time up there, a lot of fun. Uh, it is Tahoe's redheaded stepchild, though. Uh, cannot compete. Cannot nothing, compete. Nothing can. True. All right, social. Uh, we'll start with Twitter. Thank you to all of you who submitted a question this week. We got a few from you guys. I'll start with on Twitter. Fake Matt Mummy. Given all your movie expertise, when does Disney make a t- Tom Brady biopic? And who do they cast for the roles of Tom, Coach Belichick, Gronk, and Giselle? Do you put any thought into this? So I got Robert De Niro for Bill. Okay. Just just a cold. That's not a bad one. Don't mess with me, guy. Angelina Jolie for Giselle. I can see it. Uh, for Gronk, he's an interesting one, but I had to pick uh, – I have no idea what his name is, and I have not seen the movie. Good. But it's that big – Guy from Aquaman, that movie that just came out, the huge dude. I don't know, he just looks like he parties. Uh, <laughs> and then for Tom Brady, Vincent Chase. Ooh, entourage. I like loves it. The, loves the lead role. So those are my those are my four. Okay, I went with Tom Brady. I went with Ashton Kutcher. Nice. Ashton has a little bit more personality. Although Tom's starting to show us his personality now. He's got a Twitter. He's throwing some stuff out there. But I'll go Ashton Kutcher for Tom. Uh, for Bill Belichick, 
I went Kevin Spacey. A little problematic. Very problematic. Ha- hand up. But the way that he, like, Kevin Spacey's character in, like, House of Cards, like, that's Bill Belichick. Uh, for Gronk, I was happy with this one. The Rock. That's, God, that's a great one. Yeah, The Rock for sure. Uh, for Gronk. One. And then for Gis- Giselle, she's a supermodel. I don't, I don't know if she's, I don't think she's an actress, but why, why can't she play herself? She, mm. she can either play herself or I also went with Jennifer Aniston. Mm. I thought you were going to throw Mila Kunis in there, get a little Ashton Kutcher Mila, mm. Mila Kunis. Married in real life, married in the movie. Mm. But I actually was thinking, when I, was, I, was doing, I actually just Googled, like, Lookalikes for these people. <laughs> like, oh, look, look, look at all these, like, yeah. Oh, so that's that's what I did. Hand up. Uh, I was like, did, yeah. did Ashton Kutcher and Jennifer Aniston ever date? And uh, in my thirty second Google search, the answer is no. But I could be very wrong. I'm so bad at celebrities and all that stuff. It's just not my domain. You have not been keeping up on People Magazine. Let I, me tell. I you. have not. Uh, over on Instagram, Marcus asks us, "How many licks does it take you to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, or do you give up and just bite the sucker?" I've never gotten past probably about 20. I always just bite it. If the Tootsie Pop is loose on the stick, I'll just put that thing like behind my teeth and pull the stick off. Mm-hmm. And you have just the sucker. Um, I'm, I'm more likely to do that than I am to just sit there and go one, two, three. I got things to do. Uh, so I have to <laughs> uh, Sergio asks us, best event in Reno? The Reno Rodeo, 4th of July at Tahoe, the rib cook-off, Hot August nights or other? I'm biased. I like the rodeo. The rodeo's fun in in moderation. I will also put that little asterisk in moderation because I also like to be breathing by the end of those ten days. <laughs> but I would say the ro- rodeo hyphen jack tent most fun. I would say the jack tent is fun. I can't. I've been to the jack tent a number of times. I've never once actually been like. To the rodeo. Rodeos are actually pretty cool. I never have once been. I've been to Jack Tent many times, though. <laughs> I know you're a frequent. <laughs> um, the rodeo is fun. I, I think we talked about this a little bit, like, several podcasts ago. I really enjoy the beer walk every fourth Saturday uh, downtown. Zombie crawl is up there for me. Night in the country slash fight in the country is up there. I, I think my night in the country days are, are long gone now. Uh, fourth you, say, you, you, you say that now. Yeah. We'll, I'll see you guys out there in Yearington this summer. Uh, and then 4th of July at Tahoe is certainly up there. What's my favorite? Oh, man, that's tough. A- anytime Tahoe is involved, it, it's going to be up there for me. I'll go 4th of July at Tahoe if if you have a boat or a good setup. Um, if you're stuck, you know, trying to climb the mountain at 5 in the morning to get a spot at Zephyr, um, yikes. You don't like standing room only at Zephyr? Just it is nuts. Zephyr. There, there was a time where that was where that was fun, but that that, that ship has also sailed. Yeah, <laughs> Grandpa Nathan, full swing. <laughs> Let's get out of here with Random Reno. What did you find this week? The median family income in Reno sixty six thousand six hundred and forty eight dollars, oh. well clearing the national average of. 57,617. Can you take a guess on the percentage of our population that is above the poverty line? Okay, first, hell yes, Reno, get that bag. Uh, the second, that's above the poverty line, what percentage of people or families? Mm. Uh, it just says percentage above poverty line. 
I'm going to guess that's how uh, I have no idea. 90. Close. 83.8%. Okay. I thought that's pretty impressive. I have no idea what to compare that against, but that sounds good. I mean, either do I, but I know 80 is a high number, and if I got that on a test, I'd be pumped. So, <laughs> so Reno, you're doing a good job. Keep making the money. Get that money. Uh, Tahoe has six peaks. The Here tall, we go. The tallest one, I had not heard of this, Friel Peak. Mm. Do you want to guess how tall Friel Peak is? Oh, uh, 11,200 feet. Pretty close. 10,881 feet mm. is the peak of Friel Peak. That is, for those who are curious, that is taller than seven and a half Empire State Buildings stacked on top of each other. Uh, it's also over, I did the math on this one, it's over 36 football fields. But to me, the Empire State Building sounds like a way more impressive stat. Yeah. What, do you know what part of the lake that's in? Well, it's or not that in is? the lake. It's the tallest well, not, one. I don't know. Well, not in the lake. I was saying like proximity. Like, do I got to go to North Side Lake? Do I got to go South Side, East Side, West Side? Where are we going? You're asking me too many questions. <laughs> you know, dude, you do little research. Let me look this up real quick. You could start doing your little uh, uh, maps. <laughs> this is just great podcasting right now. And we can't find any matches in my Google Maps. So we'll figure it out later. <laughs> I actually thought that I thought for a while the tallest one was Mount Talek. Uh, that's what I, that's what I was gonna guess, and then you said that I wouldn't know. So I was like, all right. Yes, I I thought it was Mount Talek. I tried hiking that a few years ago. It, I remember it was in June, and we couldn't get to the peak because there was a bunch of snow still, and there was too much you couldn't get there. And Mount Talek is ninety seven hundred feet, so Friel is over a thousand feet taller than the Mount Jeez. Talek. So they're probably still getting snow up there. I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. I mean, especially after last weekend. Before uh, we say goodbye for the week, I do need to throw something in here. Uh, Jay Norvell, it's it's seven ten here on Wednesday night. He tweeted as we were recording uh, that his mom lost her battle with cancer last night. Um, a really cute picture of them too. So I just want to say uh, to Jay Norvell and to his family, uh, thoughts are certainly with you. That even when you know there's illness involved, that's something that's not easy. Um, so thoughts and prayers to Jay Norvell and his family and, uh, it's tough. It's a tough one. And that is our show this week. Thank you to all of you who continue to support this podcast. Thank you to new Nevada hoops commit Warren Washington for coming on. Thank you to Reno 1868 FC head coach Ian Russell for coming on. Thank you to our incredible sponsors over at Silver and Blue Outfitters, Tipsy Elves, and Toyabi Golf Club. If you want to take a friend to Toyabi Golf Club for free, simply leave us an iTunes five-star review if you have not yet, or you can go over to our Facebook page and leave a review there. We will count that as well. Uh, please consider following and subscribing to the Reno Slant on Twitter, on Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at all those places at the Reno Slant. We'll be back here next week, same time, same place. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.